He ripped five women away from their families, many more narrowly escaping his grasp. In the middle of the night, he'd stalk his prey before attacking. This is South Texas Crime Stories, The San Antonio Strangler. She was a very good daughter. We miss her a lot. Natalie Chavez was only 15 years old when she ran away from home. She was gone for a few months and was never reported missing by her mom or her stepdad. She tried to reach out a few times to ask if she could come home, but messages went unanswered. She's, she's run away before. She's, uh, we've, had a, we've got a missing person report on file for her from you know, some time ago. Uh, she's, she, is not, she was not reported missing, though, when she was murdered. On December 17th, 2014, Natalie sent another text to her stepfather saying she was ready to come home and she loved them. Her family, they never answered. I felt like maybe if we would have answered, you know, there's a lot of what ifs, you know, if we would have answered, you know, maybe this could have been avoided. The teen's body was found the next morning at 10 a.m. under a bridge near the intersection of Veracruz and Nueva Leon Street. SAPD said she was found naked, the medical examiner saying her cause of death was strangulation. Police started looking for who was responsible for Natalie's death. They had one big help in the case, DNA. That's what led them to then 28-year-old Johnny Joe Avalos. Avalos was arrested on April 21st, 2015 on a charge of sexual assault of a child based on the DNA evidence found on the body of Chavez. Investigators also believed that he was responsible for her death, but they didn't have enough to nail down their case yet. According to the arrest affidavit, Avalos told investigators he had sex with Chavez for a, quote, predetermined amount of money, but that he wasn't aware of how old she was. Then police chief Anthony Trevino says Avalos was a person of interest in two other disturbing cases. On April 15th of 2015, Celia Lopez, age 29, was found dead in the 4400 block of South Presa. She had suffered trauma to her head and face. Just 11 days earlier, on April 4th, Genevieve Ramirez was found unconscious in a grassy alleyway in the 100 block of Avondale Avenue. According to SAPD, she was nude from the waist down and had bruising, but no obvious signs of trauma. Ramirez was hospitalized but died from her injuries two months later. It took a year and seven months, but finally Bear County District Attorney Nicola Hood handed down in two indictments alleging Avalos had killed four women between December 2014 to April 2015. His victims were Natalie Chavez, 15, Rosemary Perez, 28, Celia Lopez, 29, and Genevieve Ramirez, 46. The indictments say Avalos asphyxiated each victim with his hand and arm, also using plastic bags on three of them. It was later revealed in court Avalos' killing stretched back to October 2012. His first victim, believed to be 25-year-old Vanessa Lopez. She was found in the San Antonio River and a portion of Mission Reach. Investigators believe she had been in the water for several days before she was found. Court records introduced in February 2019 explained that Avalos would stalk women, primarily sex workers, in the middle of the night on the south side after he got off of work as a dishwasher at a restaurant near downtown. He claims at least 20 other women he tried to attack got away. In court, Avalos pled guilty to the capital murder charges against him and was sentenced to life in prison without parole. He was evaluated and determined to be intellectually disabled. Because of this, prosecutors opted not to seek the death penalty against him. 
After the hearing, Natalie's stepfather had a chance to speak to Avalos in court. I mean, I thought it would be satisfying, but, uh, you know, it's, it wasn't. It's still, I mean, nothing's going to change. KSAT viewers, I'm Stefania Jimenez, anchor and reporter at KSAT 12 in San Antonio. On weeknights, you'll catch me on the night beat. Many of you want the news before 10 p.m., and this is for you. It's called The Nine at Night, a live nine-minute digital newscast airing at, you guessed it, 9 p.m. Call it a bite-sized show that's tailor-made for you. You'll get the day's top stories, weather, upcoming community events, and feel-good stories. Find us on YouTube, KSAT.com, and KSAT Plus, available on Amazon Fire Stick, Apple TV, Roku, or any way you stream. And, of course, via podcast. So like or subscribe wherever you get your audio. That way you'll get the alert when each episode drops. That starts later this month. Until then, head on over to KSAT.com and sign up to be a KSAT Insider. That's where you'll get the inside scoops on all of our new and exciting projects. With this case, I think it's unique because prosecutors made a point to say they were not going to seek the death penalty in it. Yeah, so the assistant DA, David Lunin, explained the definition of intellectually disabled is determined by state law and begins with an IQ examination with 70 or below as a starting point. And he had said in a quote, when we look at the IQ and then combine that with what other adaptive deficits have been demonstrated. He said other considerations, including cognitive reasoning and judgment abilities, given Avalos's intellectual status to execute him, would then violate his Eighth Amendment rights that guarantee protection from cruel and unusual punishment. So that's why they didn't seek the death penalty in this case, because he was intellectually disabled. Yeah. And at that point, if they did and he got the death penalty, they would appeal and go back through the process again so that was the best that they could get him was that life without parole so for this episode lee you got the chance to sit down with sapd detective mark duke and detective leeward garion who were on these cases yeah it was very interesting and they said they don't have a fan club but i think that you and i would like to join the fan club we'll just get it started we'll get their faces put on t-shirts because they were both just so intelligent so calm whenever they were talking about how they go about looking into cases. And I was with our photographer, uh, Joey Arredondo, and he was saying, like, he also asked the question, you guys are just both so calm, so level-headed. Have you always been like this? And they both pretty much said, well, yeah, that's what you have to do when you look into something like this. Yeah, I would I would expect that. And I didn't know this at the time. I, If you remember when we covered the Otis McCain trial, Detective Duke was the lead detective on this case. And he testified, we of course covered it. So some of you may remember who he is, what he looks like, but he has a lot 
more experienced than I even knew. Yeah, this was so interesting. So Detective Duke is the only active trained criminal profiler in the state of Texas. He's trained under the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit, the Texas Rangers, and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So it was a fellowship training that he uh, took part of, and it took five years to complete. So he's been with SAPD for about 27 and a half years, and he's been a homicide detective for 12 years. Now, Detective Carrion, he also has so much experience too. So sitting with these two men, Carrion had joined the academy in 1994, graduated that following year, and in 2008, he was promoted to detective, and that's where he's been ever since in homicide. And their level of expertise, how they approach their different cases, it was just so, I mean, Honestly, I I just could listen to them all day. We sat down with them for about an hour talking about these two cases, why they got into it, and and their reasonings for getting into this this background is because they just wanted to do the most good for people. They wanted to just do the most right that they could by victims. And I'm sure these two cases, I'm, I'm sure they've they're detectives for many multiple cases, but particularly this case with Johnny Avalos, I'm sure sticks with them and it. I think it's why they wanted to talk about it as well. Well, exactly. And so the way that they approached each of these, Detective Duke worked on Vanessa Lopez's case, which we know now is Avalos's first murder that he claims to have done. And Detective Carrion worked on Natalie Chavez's case. And he has a relationship to this day with Natalie's parents. So let's hear what they had to say about their cases. I knew the condition of what and the surroundings, how we found Natalie, like I just said, uh, it was going to be difficult. Uh, I knew what we collected at the scene was going to be very important, uh, probably to identify who did this. And, and we were able to make, make, make those decisions, finding evidence. And then, of course, the crime lab, uh, crime lab was, was huge in this, in this particular case. Vanessa, her life was taken a couple of years earlier in 2012. It was... Uh, we believe it was October 26th, um, and um, the, the, the way we pinpointed that is she was found about seven miles away from where he had left her, um, and there was a, we had a heavy rainstorm, um, well, we got a, about an inch and a half of rain in a very short period of time, but it, it rose the the level of the creek by about five feet. And so she washed downstream about seven miles and was recovered in this spot of park. Um, so we believe that was his first homicide. Um, that's what he says. And um, we don't have any reason to not believe that, although um, we do know that they only tell us what they want to tell us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we have to work through that and, and try and um, get evidence that, that matches that. You have to let the evidence drive the case. Um, but we believe she was, she was the first one that he killed. So eventually they do figure out who's committing these crimes and DNA was probably their best evidence in this case as they all kind of matched up. When they sat down with Avalos to discuss the crimes, Detective Duke explained he found an odd pleasure in describing 
what he did. That's very eerie to me. Very eerie. And and just hearing him go into the details of it, just a little bit of viewer warning, I guess, for this part. You know, there's, there's only three ways to solve a crime. And that's physical evidence, uh, eyewitness testimony, or a confession. And physical evidence only leads to an arrest and successful prosecution about 13% of the time. So that means the 80 plus percent of other crimes that are solved come from the other two, eyewitness testimony or confessions. For him, he, he's a different animal. Um, the type of person he is, he enjoys reliving uh, these events in his life. And so for him, it was pleasurable to talk about it and to tell about it. Um, and you could even see it on his face when he was reliving it. Now, shortly after Detective Carrion had started on Natalie's case, there was another death. And I think with detectives, it's a lot of it is, yeah, fact finding, but also trusting their gut instinct. And so Detective Carrion had a gut instinct when it came to this case. And that gut instinct proved to be something worthwhile. So he started collaborating with the detective on that other recent death case. And they were able to really start matching and creating those links and, and figure out what was happening here. There's got to be something here. There, there's a link. I said, let's send off um, what your findings are with our findings and send, submit it to the crime lab and see if there was a match. And, and, and there was. Uh, that kind of started, there's more victims. And I started reaching out to, to go other, to all the detectives in the office. I'm like, do you have a case that kind of matches a female, uh, kind of matches the profile of victim? And, and, and boom, there was. We found several others. I think that's, that's really interesting because I don't think a lot of people realize when a, a detective gets assigned a case, it's their case. And then another murder happens, it, it's the next one that falls in line that gets it, they kind of have an order. So for him to be like, did sound all too familiar and kind of put that link together. I thought that was very smart of him to do and a really good detective. It shows what kind of detective he is. Yeah. And it also just shows that, you know, SAPD is willing to work together to figure out, okay, we think there's a bigger problem here. It's not just one and done murders. There's, there's something happening here. So, um, when DNA matched Johnny Avalos, both Kirion and Duke were surprised because he was never someone that was on their radar. He was never a name that was thrown out. Kirion said he had calls and calls and calls from other parents wondering where their kids were, like international calls. And he said that broke his heart. But, you know, Avalos's name never popped up with any of it. On the streets, he asked people, it never popped up. So it was a surprise for them. So it wasn't until they got that DNA match that they realized his match was on several of the victims. Exactly. And that was just so surprising for them. We all wanted to know, who is this person? He's out there hurting these girls uh, and, and leaving them the way he did. It was just, it was violent. What motivated him to do that? You know, you're kind of thinking to yourself, oh, who is the person you're dealing with? Now, like we said before in this episode, Avalos is already serving time. He is in jail, life without parole. I want to stress that because he will never be released from prison. He will never have the chance to hurt again, 
a fact both Carion and Duke are thankful for. To be able to, to put somebody in jail and for him to get convicted, it, the only satisfaction I really get is just, I, I know that there's not going to be another victim, that we've done our part to, to hold our community, to hold our women, young women, all women, uh, a little bit safer knowing that um, he's not going to hurt them. You've got to be working for something bigger than yourself and just feel like um, you, you just have to have a strong desire to do what's right because um, there's no there's no fan club there's no um, there's no fame or fortune coming. Detective Dukes has a message for anyone who's ever thought about committing a crime as horrendous as what we saw Avalos do, and I think everyone should heed this warning. But nobody does wrong things and always gets away with it. Uh, eventually you're going to get caught. It may not be today. It may not be next week, but it's coming. And that closes doors for you that will never open again. Um, so think long and hard about uh, the consequences of your decisions. Now, I want to say Johnny Avalos was probably our most recent, I will almost say modern day serial killer because we don't see them very often. I think the only one before him that was kind of in the area was the railroad killer who killed along here in Bear County and other places and in other states, as well as Tommy Lynn Sells that we've covered. But this is actually pretty recently. It's very recent. And I think, you know, that's goes to show how good our detectives are with SAPD, that they were able to solve this. I mean, yeah, his first killing went back to 2012, but within months of his, of killing Natalie, they were able to figure out who was doing this and get him off the streets. And for both detectives in this case, that was something very, very important. And, you know, the reason we do this podcast, yes, obviously we like true crime, but we're not glorifying what someone did. We're doing this for the victims who oftentimes don't have a voice. Their families are their voices. And so I think that's also what the detectives had said. That's why they're doing their job, too. They have these relationships with these families. And especially Detective Carrion has this relationship with Natalie's family. And he called her before he sat or called her mom before he sat down for this interview with us just to make sure she was OK with it. And I think that just kind of speaks to the level of relationships that these detectives form. It's not just a job, it's personal for them because they're meeting families on their worst days. Yeah, and it you, you can't ever take that away. You know, that's going to live with them for the rest of their lives. Um, and it shows that they're human too. You know, it shows that deep down they have a heart and yes, they have to see the worst of the worst all the time, but it affects them as well. And um, I know you mentioned Detective Carillon, who keeps up a relationship with Natalie's family. Here's kind of what he had to say about that. We're, we're still thinking of Natalie, and it's tough. She's a young girl. Uh, what was done to her was just horrible. Um, Mom was lost her, her daughter, and it was taken she was taken from her, taken from all of us. Uh, yeah, that motivated me then. Uh, it still does now. 
Well, thanks so much for being with us. This is going to wrap up season three for South Texas Crime Stories. Stay tuned for season four. We'll have five new cases. Until then, thanks for joining us. Thank you.